Hey everyone, brand new episode of What's Good. Greg Meskel here with you today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today's guest, someone who's doing a lot of good out there. Uh, you'll know him from the CFL and from North Dakota, but he's doing some other great things. Brady Oliveira. Brady, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Uh, Brady, let's start football first. And obviously this is uh, something you've spent a lot of time, something you've worked at a long time. Everyone's missing their thing right now, but you've gone an exceptionally long time without getting to play a game Injured last year, then the season uh, postponed this year till till next year. How bad do you want to just play a football game right now? Yeah, the the itch is real. Um, you know, with this season being canceled, well, let's talk about last season, how it went for me. Um, also, the season being cut short, my rookie year, um, there's lots of big expectations uh, that I had for myself, but also that the organization had for me as well. Um, and, yeah, I also got cut short, so – with me having to sit out all those games, being on being sidelines, watching my teammates compete and me not being able to compete, I was even hungrier than ever. So with this season that just got canceled, I was in the best shape of my life. Uh, I was training even harder just because I had so much to prove and not so much to prove to other people, but more so to prove to myself, knowing that like I can compete at this level and keep on you know, excelling my football career. Um, and then, with this whole pandemic and the season being canceled now I'm even more hungry for for next year right so um I was in, like I said I was in the best shape of my life uh getting getting ready for the 2020 season um everything felt good I mean my ankle felt better than ever um so if I felt great then I'll feel even better for the season coming up so it'll be exciting and and you mentioned that rookie year in 2019 and from a from a team standpoint, right, it couldn't go better winning winning the Grey Cup. Is that a bittersweet moment to kind of be part of a championship but maybe not be able to put the impact on it you would have liked? Yeah, you know, of course, I definitely, uh, you know, when I, when I sit back and look at it now, um, you know, I talk to, you know, I have great friends on my team. You know, we're all brothers on there. have some great conversations with them. And if you think about it, everyone has a role, right? Um, everyone is a part of that championship and that great cup victory. Uh, if you think about it, you know, for example, um, I did come back near the end of the year and I, I was able to practice uh, about the last couple uh, weeks of the season, of regular season, and then obviously playoffs. And I was there a great cup week, obviously practicing in Calgary. Um, and I was doing all the scout team looks. So by me, by, by me doing that, I was, you know, obviously getting, you know, my teammates better by giving them a good look. Um, and then it goes to everything, you know, everyone in the organization, you know, uh, the equipment staff, uh, you know, the people uh, that work in the bomber store, like everyone was a part of that victory. So um, of course, in the beginning, I was like, you know, me just being a natural competitor, wanting to be out there, wanting to compete, me being from Winnipeg, uh, wanting to just, you know, show my hometown what I'm all about. Um, but like I said, having great uh, conversations with my teammates put me at ease. And uh, it was just a great, great feeling. Me being from Winnipeg, uh, it was 29 years since we last won the Great Cup. So put everything aside, just me being from Winnipeg, being at the Great Cup, um, hoisting the trophy on the stage, um, going into the locker room, just celebrating with your teammates, flying back, um, we have a parade, the whole city, whole downtown Winnipeg is shut down. Everyone's there to see you. Um, we have a social at the convention center. It's just like, there's so many great events. And me being from Winnipeg, 
just made it even that much better. And it was just such a great feeling because I grew up being a Bomber fan and now I'm able to be a part of a historic Grey Cup team. So it was definitely something that I'll never forget. Yeah, the videos of you uh, bringing the cup back to your elementary school and your high school, uh, that is an experience that has to be made that much more special because you grew up in the area and that's the hometown team. Exactly. And, you know, if, if people don't know much about the, the CFL, it's actually the oldest trophy out there. Um, like I said, last year was the 107th Great Cup. This year would have been the 108th Great Cup. And uh, there's just so much history on that trophy. If you just look at it, you can see, you know, this one plaque that uh, the Great Cup was on, uh, was paused for one year because of World War II. Um, so it just goes back for so many years. So people just want to have a chance just to see the Great Cup up close and just, just to read the names of the greats that are on that trophy. Um, so me being able to, you know, bring it to, you know, schools around Winnipeg, but especially my, uh, my elementary school, my junior high school, my high school, it was just uh, an incredible moment. And to go back and see teachers that taught me when I was going to school then when I was just a young kid and then me being able to share that experience experience with them as well was just something incredible and something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I'm glad you've touched a bit on your, on your love for Winnipeg and being from that area, because I think the American college football fan watches say your career at North Dakota and says, okay, for, for this guy to be successful, the next step has to be the NFL. That's where you're supposed to go. And, and maybe that's still a aspiration for you. And I'll ask you that in a minute, but what, what is it like for you to, to be able to play for your hometown team, having grown up as a fan? Is that maybe not the same as an NFL dream, but also some kind of dream realized? How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, it was definitely a dream of mine like growing up. Obviously, uh, aspirations to the NFL, still got aspirations. Uh, and if it's, if it's meant to be, it'll meant to be. And if I get my shot in the NFL, I'll get my shot. Um, but with that being said, um, if there's any team – that I could play for in the CFL. I wanted to play for Winnipeg. Me growing up a Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan. Uh, and then me, you know, I, was, I remember the day, I remember it vividly for the rest of my life, sitting around with my family, uh, have TSN on, and, uh, and I hear my name get called to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it was just, I was ecstatic. It was uh, just uh, an exciting moment for myself and almost also my family, knowing that I'll be able to still be in Winnipeg. Um, they can come to every game. Um, so yeah, it was a great moment and uh, such a great organization that I'm a part of. And, and then to kind of piggyback off of that, when, when you talk about the NFL, where does that kind of sit? Obviously now you're in a situation, as you just described, right? You, you want to get back. You have a lot to prove to yourself to get back and play with the Blue Bombers next season. Do you look at the NFL as a, the next year sort of goal? Is it multiple years away? How do you process that while also trying to do what you want to do for Winnipeg. Yeah, you know, myself personally, I just uh, don't really like to think of that and put a, put a timeline on it. Um, I just want to go in there and, and do what's asked of me, uh, whatever the Winnipeg Blue Bombers organization asking me, whatever my role is, I'm going to go in there and do it at the best of my ability, help my teammates out, and most importantly, uh, help uh, the Bombers win another championship and bring another championship back to, to Winnipeg. Um, and with that being said, obviously, you know, if you're doing your job, and uh, you're being successful and, uh, you know, good things will come to you. So if, uh, if the opportunity comes my way and uh, whether that's next year or two years or four years down the road with me still being young, 
um, I would definitely, you know, take that opportunity. It's been a dream of mine since I was a young kid. So I feel like anyone would take that opportunity. So whenever it comes, and like I said, if it's meant to be, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. If not, you know, I've still uh, accomplished a big dream by me being a professional athlete and, and especially playing for their, uh, my hometown team. I, I know in the past you've, you've described your styles of running back, and I, and I love this description that you're a violent and physical runner, right? You can just kind of picture what, what that looks like, uh, even if someone has never seen you play. How does that style translate to the CFL? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when you look in the CFL, it's a really big field, right? A lo- uh, way bigger field, a lot wider uh, than the American field. The end zones are a lot bigger, so when you look at that, um, it's a perfect game for a speedy guy, right? Um, you know, you can just stretch the field, don't got to get north and south really quick. But I think with myself, with my dynamic, uh, it's, just, it's just different. You know, I don't see lots of backs that will get north and south really quick um, that can that have good vision in between, uh, in between the tackles and in the box um, like myself. And that's uh, kind of like my strong point in my game. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think I have the perfect fit, actually, because there's not lots of backs like that. So it'll kind of, you know, catch defenses off guard. Um, and like I said, you know, with me being a physical and violent runner um, and my strength coach at North Dakota would always tell me, be the hammer and not the nail. And I still live by that. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to run violent every single time I get the ball, that guy's not going to want to come back and hit me as hard. You know what I mean? So right there you have an advantage over your opponent. Yeah, no, that's a very smart. This is a, I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but there was a great interview uh, with a basketball legend, Patrick Ewing. And he talked about trying to dunk the ball so hard every time that they think twice about trying to block it because exactly it's so hard they're not going to want to put their hand in the way and that's a similar yeah yeah so i saw the cfl schedule already released for next year first preseason game for winnipeg may 28th first game june 10th the gray cup rematch from 2019 mm-hmm. are those dates circled on the calendar what's what's the the vision for you as you think about those dates I'm just, you know, even for that, those preseason games, those two preseason games, both against Saskatchewan, um, which I'm super excited about. Uh, doesn't matter who we play. I'm just, I want to get back out there on the field. I want to compete. Um, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Now, just being able to compete, right? Um, everything, you know, with this whole pandemic, everything's been on pause and I just feel like I haven't competed in a while. Now I'm just like trying to compete. Like, for example, this summer playing spike ball with friends, I'm just getting super competitive and I'm like kind of kind of got to step back a bit and be like I think I'm being over competitive now because I haven't been around sport in a while right and I'm just like a natural competitor so I think just me being able to get back on the field with you know with all my great teammates and just being able to compete um, you know and just try to beat the man in front of you is what I'm super excited about Um, but obviously with the 2020 season getting canceled that one game that everyone was pumped for was the Great Cup rematch, right? Um, which was on our schedule for 2020. The banner was going to be dropping. Um, so it was just going to, you know, it was going to be a sold out crowd. Everyone was super excited about that. So definitely for the 2021 season, that game I'm super excited about. But obviously every other game, it's another opportunity to go out there and prove yourself and to, uh, and to just have another opportunity to play in football because you never know, you know, like I said, with my injury, um, I'm lucky that, you know, I came back from it even better, but that could have easily been uh, a career-ending injury, right? So you never take this game for granted. It's done a lot for me, uh, a lot for my family. 
Um, so I'm, well, I'll always be uh, thankful for it. But uh, like I said, you never know when it's your last game, right? You're exactly right. And uh, going back a couple of years, you hit on the experience in North Dakota and your strength coach. And just, just tell us a bit, how did, how did that experience kind of set the table for, for what you're doing now? I know they were the only college, right, to offer you a scholarship, right, to, to kind of bring you in and, and, and really covet your skills. How did they help you get where you're at now? Yeah, and uh, I'm extremely, you know, blessed that North Dakota did, did offer me because um, it was a perfect fit. Um, I'm a firm believer in everything in my life. Use this kind of mantra is that that uh, everything happens for a reason. Everything you go through, every uh, interaction, uh, every conversation, every experience, you know, happens for a reason. Um, and you know, sometimes I think like, you know what? What if I, you know went to high school and like played high school football from grade nine to grade 12 in the, in the U S and had better kind of, you know, recruiting options Like people, I'll be more visible to U S schools and stuff like this. Like where would I end up? Cause I obviously I knew my talents. I knew I could play at an FBS school cause I did, you know, obviously really well at the, the division one double a level. So I'm like, I know I could play at an FBS level. And then I, you think about that, like, where would I end up? But I could have went to a big FBS school, but, not have once played professional football, never have been in, in Winnipeg, right, where I am now. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Everything happens for a reason. God puts uh, knows your timeline, what's going to happen. So you just got to trust it. And uh, I'm really thankful that North Dakota did offer me. And, and it was perfect. It was about two and a half hours away from Winnipeg. So I was able to drive there. My family uh, was pretty much at every game. If not family, I had friends at every single game. So someone familiar in the crowd. Um, that was there to support me, which meant, you know, a lot to me, made me play a little bit, a little bit harder. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I met some of my, uh, my greatest friends to this date um, by playing college football with them there. And the experience was just incredible. I had uh, great teammates, great coaches. Um, I met ex an extreme amount of people in that community that are like family to me or like second families to me. Um, yeah, it was just an overall great experience. And uh and I've been wanting to get back there, but the borders are closed. So it's so, so, so close to me. So I can just take a drive there and just, you know, go visit everyone. Um, so whenever the borders do open up, I want to get down there and just uh, go say hi to everyone. And uh, just cause I miss, miss a lot of people out there. Yeah. And you, you hit on something earlier. You're exactly right. Maybe if you played somewhere else, or you got a different look, maybe that leads you to a different school, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you get all the opportunities, right? You might've been, one of 10 running backs trying to get your chance whereas you're able to show your stuff in North Dakota. You're totally right. And uh, that's how I always look at it, right? Everything is meant to happen for a reason and uh, you just got to trust it. And uh, you know, you can be at the biggest school, but you know, you know, you know what I mean? You might not even get known uh, noticed there. Right. But uh, you know, where I was at North Dakota is a perfect fit. I came in as a freshman and uh, played as a freshman right away. So I was, you know, in and out of there in four years, I graduated in three and a half years, um, so it was, it was super busy. I had a jam-packed uh, schedule there, um, but, you know, it was all worth it. I was happy I came out of there with a degree, and uh, and on the plus uh, side of things, I got to play great football against some great competition, and then coming out of there, I had a great college resume that allowed me to get drafted uh, by my hometown team, so it was uh, overall just a great experience. One more North Dakota question, because uh, when that school gets brought up, people often think about North Dakota State. They get a lot of hype as well in college football. I've, I've never been. Can, can you give a sense of 
what what that sort of rivalry is it is it considered a big rivalry how do you view North Dakota State versus North Dakota yeah so let me I'll just uh, say some quick so talking about the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks in Grand Forks North Dakota uh, that's where I went to school and uh, yeah you know what I mean that's uh, that's my my ride or die school right there I'm gonna I'm gonna die with them until I go until I go to the grave and um, you know, at that rivalry that we have between UND and NDSU. So I had a chance to play against NDSU my freshman year. Um, and they just had a, an all-star team that year. They, you know, they, the team down in Fargo, they have a great, uh, great program going on there. Uh, Carson Wentz was a quarterback uh, in 2015 when I got a chance to play against them. Their defense, they had a bunch of studs in their defense. I went to the NFL. I was actually the leading rusher that game for, my, for North Dakota as a, as a true freshman. I think I only had like 30 rushing yards or something. So uh, they uh, they shut me down that game. But the rivalry that they got going on is um, it's nuts. There is diehard fans in Grand Forks and diehard fans in Fargo. And uh, when you go down there, you know, you're going to get booed. It's a hostile environment. But you should expect the same thing when you come down to Grand Forks. And, uh, you know, it's all for fun. Uh, this rivalry has been going on for obviously years, you know, way longer than I've been born. Um, so it's it's definitely – you know, when talking about all of college football, it's one of the greatest college football rivalries out there. Yeah. Uh, no said and done. Well, and, and I had to laugh because the way you launched into that was like someone who has had to explain more than once, wait, I went to yeah. North Dakota, not North Dakota State. Yeah, people are always like, oh, like, uh, like where do you play college ball? I'm like, yeah, North Dakota. Like, oh, like uh, with like Carson Wentz or with like, uh, oh, like in Fargo? I'm like, no, 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 no. In Grand Forks, and um, I, I don't know. I think we just need more recognition. Um, you know, when I was there my sophomore year, um, you know, we won the Big Sky uh, Conference, so I was able to you know get a championship win with them there and get a ring, and it was a it was a cool experience. Um, made it to the second round of playoffs. I think our highest ranking ever there when I was playing. I want to say we were ranked like we were ranked eighth. Eighth in the in the country was the highest ranking, and uh, obviously NDSU that year was ranked number one. But if if you think about it, you know, out of the all the schools in FCS, that's a pretty high ranking, being number eight. So I think we need a little bit more recognition. But uh, you know, I'm always cheering on, uh, you know, for UND, and I'm excited to see uh, what they got coming up because uh, I hear I hear they're playing in the spring this year. So yep. yeah, yeah, so, and they are start back up in February. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of a modified uh, spring schedule. Yes, yeah, so that'll be cool to see. So. Well, and I can mildly relate as someone who went to Monmouth University. I often hear about Monmouth College in Illinois, and people conflate the two, and one is Division One and one is Division Three, and so uh, you often have to kind of clarify where you were, you know. Um, so football, and this is no knock on your career, it you know, in the grand scheme of life, might be like the fifth most impactful thing you do when you when it when it comes to making people's lives better. Uh, for for being a self-described violent and physical runner. You're a tremendously nice person who does a lot of other things to help people. And I want to start first with the idea of rescuing dogs. And uh, this, this has been written about a lot lately and something that you've really become passionate about. You've rescued some 50 plus dogs or so. There's a video on your Instagram I encourage people to watch of, of you carrying about six dogs like mini footballs while you're driving down the road. When, when did this dog rescuing thing start and why has it become a passion for you? Yeah, so I, I actually people always like ask me that well they always think that I grew up with like just dogs right and I, I've never I never had a dog we never had a family dog uh, I always wanted one but I was just never allowed to 
Um, but, you know, with uh, lots of family members uh, going to their houses, they always had dogs. So I was able to, uh, you know, just play with their dogs and I always loved dogs. So um, that's kind of how it started. I was, I was always just like an animal lover um, from day one. Um, but with that being said, how I got into the animal rescue. Um, so my, one of my good friends, Ryan Clausen, lives in Winnipeg here, and he's been doing lots of work with Canine Advocates Manitoba for a few years now. So one day uh, in our group chat, he put in, uh, he's like, hey, does anyone want to come out to, uh, uh, anyone want to come out to one of the reserves and uh, come rescue some dogs? And I immediately replied like, yes, like I'm in. And so we went out for a drive and it was just super mind, mind blowing and eye opening and just seeing the environments that these dogs live in and the neglect and abuse and um, just the hostile environments that they have to live in. You know, we, that was, so I've been doing rescue work for about a year now. So my first rescue run was in the winter time and, and winter time in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba are pretty, pretty cold. And uh, just these dogs, you know, they have to try to find a way to survive. So it's super sad. You come across lots of freezing dogs, um, dogs that are literally rock solid, freezing, and they're dead. Um, so it's, it's super eye opening and, and uh, sad at the same time. But uh, with that being said, it's, uh, it brings you a lot of joy knowing that, you know, when you're saving these dogs and you're bringing them back to Winnipeg um, and they're finally saved, it's just brings so much joy to you. And that's why I keep on doing it, even though you see some, some pretty eye-opening things and things that kind of might shock you and uh, just make you like, oh my gosh, like, is that real? Um, I, just, I just keep doing it because it's uh, so much joy that brings to you when you can save, save all these animals. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, as you were mentioning earlier, the idea of kind of the, everything just kind of happens for a reason, right? You feel like it's part of kind of like a larger plan. And uh, you know, I couldn't help but think, well, you've, you've ended up in Winnipeg doing this football thing, and this has kind of now led you to be around to do this dog rescue thing. Do you, do you kind of feel like that's all intertwined together, and this is how you've ended up being able to, to be where you are to help make a difference? Yeah, I think it's like when you think about that, right, it's uh... – like obviously I was, it was, I was meant to do this. I was meant to go out and rescue now like hundreds of dogs. Um, and I'm so thankful for, you know, my buddy Ryan for reaching out to me that day. And then now for, you know, the great team that Canine Advocates has. Um, and the leader of Canine Advocates, her name is Jasmine. I don't really know how to pronounce her last name, Kala or something like that but uh jasmine is the one that started up canine advocates and she does so many amazing things she had her honor herself she's probably rescued thousands and thousands of dogs and animals just in general cats everything um and yeah canine just has a has a great team so just a little brief i guess summary about canine advocates um so canine advocates is a uh, a rescue organization in Winnipeg, based in Winnipeg. Um, we don't have a shelter, so we run based off of fosters. So when we do go out, so what we do is we, you know, we get alerts from communities. We, we built uh, lots of great connections and relationships in communities across, you know, Manitoba and Northern Manitoba. And uh, we get alerts from, you know, community members telling us where the dogs are, if there's stray dogs or dogs are in neglect, or uh, there's just dogs at a at a household where people will take in and and uh surrender their dogs to us so we'll go out there and get all these dogs 
And then when we bring them back, um, they go into foster homes. So we have a great team of fosters. People are constantly uh, filling out our applications to foster. And then after that, we send them uh, all out to rescue shelters across Canada. So um, we just have a bunch of dogs actually going this morning, uh, leaving to Toronto. So um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit about canine, just a short version of it. But they do lots of great things. And I'm just extremely thankful that I can be a part of it. When you have these challenging moments in general, right, if you think about injury coming back from that, you go out on one of these dog rescues, right, and in many cases you're successful, but you just described the time where maybe you don't, you don't get there in time to be able to, to rescue the animals. How do you bounce back from those moments and, and kind of stay, stay positive and get ready to do it again the next time? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, you just have to talk to people, um, just like anything, you know. Whether you, you know, are going through something tough in your life, um, I think it's just about opening up and, uh, and talking to someone. So um, I'll just tell a little story quick. And it just made me think of this one guy in particular, um, just with us being men and, you know, men typically just what is not normalized yet, which it should be normalized, but men not being able to open up and to express their emotions and, and uh, things like that. So I went on a rescue run one day and I got an alert from a dog that was apparently tied up by some sort of wire and uh, was on the verge of dying. Um, so I dropped everything and I drove out there and you know, the closest uh, res like reserve where we can go and, uh, and grab these dogs, is, I would say about like an hour and a half. Okay. So I was really trying to get there as fast as I could. So I went there and it was this, uh, this, I actually did a video about her on my Instagram. Her name was Lexi and uh, she was a German shepherd puppy about six months, seven months old. And uh, when I got there, um, she was already in a kennel. I guess the, the owners put her in a kennel and uh, she actually was trying, I guess she was stuck in this, some sort of wire for quite some time now for about maybe a week or two. Um, so she ended up trying to bite off the wire because she was in that much pain that she ended up biting off her whole paw and a little bit of her of her arm. So she just had a little nub and there was maggots growing in there and it was just like smelled like just awful. So anyway, she was obviously she she was super calm, but it was almost like she was just in shock and she was just ready just to just to go on her back and just call it quits, right? So I put her in my truck, rushed her to the vet. And um, I can see straight bone, maggots. Uh, my whole truck smells like rotten flesh. I had to have all the windows down driving back to Winnipeg. So I rush her to the vet. Um, the vet is obviously stabilizing her, putting her through IVs to make sure she's hydrated, all this stuff. And then she ended up getting her arm amputated. Um, so anyways, so now she was sent to Toronto. And then uh, I actually got a message from the rescue in Toronto about two months ago that she finally just got adopted. Um, which is great. So she's in a great home now. She's in her forever home. She's getting the life she deserves now. But just with, like the graphic images that I was, I had to see that day um, was just like, it's just super sad to see that, you know, just like we got a heart, right? And these animals have a heart. So they deserve to live their best life, just like we deserve to live our best life. And just seeing the neglect and abuse that these dogs are going through and seeing that the dog had to suffer and get that wire off herself and no one was there to help her out was just super mind-blowing to me and uh so obviously seeing that 
it's crazy. So I posted on my social media and I posted it because um, I was looking for donations as our vet bills are extremely high, especially with incidents like this where they cause extreme uh, uh, vet vetting bills. Uh, if they have to get surgery or stuff like that, it's expensive. So I put it on my social media and a guy reached out to me named Kevin Walker. And Kevin Walker is uh, one of the head in charge of Bear Clan Patrol, which I'm also a volunteer. And I can talk about that later. Um, so he reached out to me. He's like, hey, what's up, brother? Uh, I just want to reach out to you. And, you know, as men, we need to, you know, talk about things and, and open up. And I see, you know, what you saw today. And it could be a little tough. Like, I'm here if you need to talk. And uh, that just getting that message made me feel a lot better knowing that there's people out there that I can go and turn to and talk to. And uh, so that right there, I think just by me being able to talk to Kevin that day um, made me bounce back really quick and I was ready to go on my next, my next rescue run. And, and moments like this has to put just everything you encounter in perspective. Yes. Everything, like <clears throat> everything in perspective. And it's uh, like I said, it's super eye opening, but, for that one example by me rescuing Lexi and seeing the horrible conditions that she was she was in and then now getting pictures of her two months from now and the big smile on her face and now you know in her forever home just makes it that much better and that much worth it and I'm so so glad that when I got that message I dropped everything knowing the conditions that she was in and knowing what I would see and just driving out there and just doing it because like I said that brings true joy and happiness to my life, which is, um, which means a lot to me. Hey, I ask this question a lot because I think it's interesting how people compare emotions when they feel like they've succeeded in some way. But when, when you get those photos, right. And so you've had a very tangible impact on this dog's life right now. It's in its forever home. It's going to be okay. And if you hadn't intervened, who knows, probably yep. not good. How does that sort of emotion and feeling compare to you get drafted by the Blue Bombers, you're able to get a scholarship to North Dakota, stuff that is um, maybe still very, very important, but a different feeling? How do they compare to you? You know what? It's, uh, it's, I almost think of it like this. The feeling that I get of running in a touchdown and the crowd cheering is, is an amazing feeling, right? If no one's done it, it's hard to really explain, but it's just – it's an awesome feeling, right? You, you work so hard, you get into the end zone. It's like, wow, right? You're helping your team win. It's great. So if, when you talk about the dog rescue stuff, and I'm able to go and, for example, you know, scoop up a bunch of puppies that are freezing cold and run them to the truck and put them in kennels or just load them in and, and they're warm. And, you know, you have all the rest of the canine team there or whoever's with you and you guys are just high-fiving and the smiles in our faces and, and how much joy we feel now that we were able to save these dogs. I get like the same feeling as running in a touchdown and it's uh, it's crazy. And it, and it's a super great feeling. Um, that's why I continue to do it. And even by me just going to drive to these, these far places and, and uh, meeting community members and them just handing me over a dog, like, Oh, here, this is a dog you're here to rescue. So not all, all rescue runs, you know, are, get you uh, on your, on your knees and your hands and get you digging and, or crawling under, uh, under decks and getting you dirty. Um, some are easy. Some you just drive and, and uh, you know, and just get dogs from community members and drive back. And, and even those rescue runs, all rescue runs are awesome and, and are such a great feeling. And now you had a different type of uh, dog rescue earlier this year where you 
you saved right a woman and and her dog that had fallen into a river. Um, that that's not your typical sort of rescue, but you happen to be right place, right time to make that one happen. Yeah. So um, I got two dogs of my own, and I'm always constantly taking them out for adventures, and uh, I just love to do that. Um, so I was just at the dog park one day with them, and um, at the time I only had one dog actually. So uh, we saw this dog um, go down to like the riverbank and uh, the river, the Red River is there and this is springtime. So it's flowing, you know, super fast, right? The, the, ice, the ice is melting and it's just flowing. Um, so dogs do, I guess, go in there in the summer, which is fine because it's not flowing fast. It's pretty, pretty still. Um, but in the spring it's moving. So this dog went down there. I'm just keeping an eye. So it just, it's, it's a drop off. So you can't really see anything down there where I was standing in the middle of the field. So the owner goes after, calls the dog. I'm just being weary a little bit. Just like, let's see how long they're down there for two minutes, three minutes pass. Uh, they're still not up there. So I just thought, you know, by me, just, just going to be a good citizen, walk over there, see if she's okay. See if her dog got up. So that's what I did. And as soon as I walked over there and looked over the ledge, her dog is in the water and she's trying to call her dog back. Dog's trying to swim back, but it's slowly, slowly, slowly getting pushed away by the current. So uh, she kind of like saw me up there and she asked me to throw the leash down to her. So she had her dog's leash up there on the riverbank. And um, so I threw her leash to her to see maybe that she could wrap, kind of maybe like throw it to the dog and latch it onto him by somehow. Um, so I ran down there and, uh, at this point she was still on land and then she just tried to reach in for dog and she kind of slipped in a little bit. She was okay. She wasn't really submerged in the water, but the dog was in the water and truly trying to come back. Um, so what I did is I kind of grabbed her forearm so I could lean into the water and so I wouldn't fall in and try to grab so the dog did swim back but it was super muddy in the springtime and the dog was trying to get up but it it just wouldn't it kept trying to get onto land and fall get onto land and fall back into the water um so i was able to just hold her as as weight so i can reach in grab the dog by the collar and just pull him out of water so this dog is soaked in water which is adding more weight and this dog she told me after was about 90 pounds so it was a big boy and um so yeah you know i'm just thankful that um anyone could have did it right my mom could have been there and she could have did it you know what i mean it's uh i was just happened to be there right place right time type thing and um yeah it was just a sign god was just saying oh, go over there and check on uh, on those people and i went and checked on the people and uh on the owner and the dog and happened just to go lend a helping hand which i think good good citizens should do in the community whatever community you live in just you know be a good person and and lend a helping hand to others that need it and that's what i did and uh it just happened to i guess kind of blow up the story people saw it happen asked what happened and uh, i guess anonymous people called in and that's kind of how it happened and uh so yeah it's a pretty cool story uh all i'm just glad that that dog was uh was saved you know, I think it, it also partially blew up because it's 2020 and people are desperate for something. They read that story and they were like, wait a minute, okay, so it was just a good guy who saved a dog. He's not a terrible person. She's not a terrible person. The dog's a nice dog. Like, everyone's good. That's, like, so refreshing these days. For sure. No, I totally agree. People just need more. It needs to be more good. You hear just so much negative nowadays, and I just think, uh, yeah, we're just good. That's why, um, especially what I'm doing now with this dog rescue stuff, 
I just really like to, um, you know, get that on my social media and not even just like the dog rescue, but also the dogs that I have. Um, people, you know, love dogs. I encourage you just to check out my Instagram just because I'm always posting on my dogs. And I just think dogs are extremely therapeutic and they just bring good vibes to you. I always tell people, you know, dogs are just such great companions and the bonds that you can create with your dog is inseparable. And, you know, when, you, when you're in a bad mood or you had a bad day at work and you come home and you walk through that door and your dog's sitting there, it's just happy to see you. It has a big smile on its face and it's just happy to see you and it can change your mood. So, uh, yeah, I'm just ha I just, I just want to post positivity on my social media platforms and by posting dogs and my dogs, um, I'm constantly getting messages from people being like, thank you for sharing this or, oh my God, just seeing your dogs make me so happy. And that makes me happy that just by me posting a picture or a funny video of my dogs makes other people happy. So I think in times like this, people need to, you know, smile more and uh, stop living in fear and just to relax and just uh, everything will be okay, right? It's, it's true. Uh, I can't think of a time where I've seen a dog picture posted on social media that people didn't like. Anyone posts a dog photo, everyone's like, Oh, cute dog, cool dog. Like it's, it's always, it always starts at at least good dog. And then we can only go up from there. Exactly. You're totally right. Um, do you follow the Twitter account thoughts of dog? No, I don't. So you need, so you need to, as, as someone who spends as much time with dogs as you do, uh, it is a, it is a Twitter account written from the perspective of a dog. So it's like, it's like if a dog was tweeting. No um, way. Yeah. That's and they just cool. kind of, you know, send very like, Funny things, if you, if you spend time with dogs, it's, it's like spot on how like a dog might write something. So yeah, uh, cool. check that out when you get a chance, but it's, but it's pretty funny. You know, things like, you know, I must, you know, like sniff every curb in the neighborhood. And if not, I have to go back and check it again, sort of things, you know, like things that dogs would actually do. Dogs would do. Yeah, no yeah. In, in addition to the dog rescue stuff, you do a lot of other community things, uh, work at at-risk shelters, deliver sandwiches and food to those that need it. I, I was reading an interview where you talked about you never want to be defined by the game of football alone. What, why do you have that feeling? Just because I think there's so much bigger than that. There's so much need in the world, and sports is just such a little thing in this world. Um, and people – try to, you know, make these athletes so much bigger than they actually are, um, which it should never be like that. There's, there's other things that you should be, that should be spotlighting that aren't athletes and that aren't sports. And I think that's why we say like, you know, I'm, it's so much bigger than just a game of football. Like I never want to be defined by football. I don't want people to look at me or years down the road being like, Oh, like, yeah, like that, that guy played for the Bombers or that guy was an extremely great football player. Like, you know what I mean? Obviously, that's great a thing to list, but the first thing I want them to, to say is, oh, my God, that, like that Brady guy, oh, great, he's a great person. He also was a, a really good football player. The first thing I want them to say is, you know, oh, my God, like the, the amount of work he did in the community, he's just a great person. And uh, I just want, I want people to know that because I, I kind of want people to follow in my footsteps or I kind of just want to um, – kind of just like sprinkle it onto other people by saying like, you know, just by being a good person. And if I, people tell my stories or saying, Oh, Hey, like, you know, that guy, he's like, he's a good person. It might encourage someone else to, you know, kind of maybe change their ways or, or you never know, right. You can inspire people along the way. So that's why I always think about um, things like that. And, and in my, actually my Instagram bio, I have a hashtag be a good person. 
because that's just what I live by. And I think you get what you put into this world. So if you're, if you're giving good and you're putting good into this world, you'll always receive it back. You always will. Might be tomorrow, might be two weeks from now, months from now, but you'll always receive good. And if you continue to be it, you'll see your life just automatically just change. It'll just like turn upside down and be like, wow, like just a total, you know, 180 of, uh, your life was bad or it wasn't going the way you planned or you just changing your attitude attitude and having a positive um, outlook at life and uh, and just being open-minded and by being a good person and helping others your life will change you talked about growing up in Winnipeg playing for the team you're you're back there now I, I think even in the story of the woman that you rescued she didn't know you for your football she knew you because of the stuff you've done with dog advocacy so you've developed this reputation in town I think for someone who does who does good things you had hit on kind of the mental health aspect earlier you know when you encounter tough times it's important to just kind of talk through it, which is so 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 important as as you've hit on a couple of times here but is it a challenge to always be that person that people expect you to be? You know, as, as, as you do more of these things, people come to know you. I think the average assumption is like, you're, you're a really nice person, you're a really good person, you, you help others. I guess what I'm getting at is like, how do you make sure that you're being taken care of, you know, and that you're not just expending it all to everyone else's gain in a good way, but so that you're also, you know, as they say, filling your cup up, right? Yeah, so I actually think I do a really good uh, job at this, actually. Um, and that's extreme. That's you're right. You hit it head on. It's extreme, ex extremely important. You have to all obviously, you know, like giving back and, and uh, worrying about others is great. But there comes a time when you have to sit back and worry about yourself. You got to worry about your, you know, your mental health and you got to worry about uh, about your needs and, and just, uh, taking care of yourself. Right. Um, and I actually have conversations with people like this. Whenever I see people in, in stress or, Oh my God, they have so many things on the go. I tell them, you know, just got to sit back, take a deep breath and kind of jot down things that you can do for yourself that will kind of, you know, get you out of that, that frustration state of mind that you're in right now, or that stress and, and do things that will make you feel better. Whether that is you going for a walk, every day for about 30 minutes to an hour by you sitting down and having coffee and watching your favorite show or whether that's you you know exercising or doing yoga or something like that so i think i do a great job at just uh you know obviously still making sure that i'm taking care of my needs and my uh my well-being and you know for me it's just going back to dogs my dogs i uh just when I come home from work, just being able to see them and just like lay in my bed is one thing and just like put my phone down and just relax with my dogs is great. But my favorite thing in the world, and I actually just posted this on my Instagram a couple of days ago and a story that I was talking about is I had an extremely busy day. Whenever I have busy days, you know, it might be frustrated or stressed out. You got so many things in the go, but then I was so excited because when I got home, I was able to, you know, load my truck up with both my dogs drive somewhere and I like I like I just like to drive places and if I see an open field or a cool place where I can just let them run around and I can just adventure with them and that's what my dogs live for they love adventures um, they're not the greatest leash walkers as whatever it is what it is I rather have my dogs just run free so yeah we just drive and and that day when I just had so many things in the go loading my truck up and finding a spot for them to run free and then just being able to walk with them and just seeing the smiles on their face and and them wagging their tails and them just having so much fun and me just 
forgetting about everything and just walking in this open field. And it was just something that right there where I satisfied my needs right there. I, I feel a lot better. Um, I was, this is, this made my day right there. And I think something like that for myself, that's what kind of helps me. Is, is there anything else down the road, maybe post football even, and, and maybe it's an expansion of dog rescues or something else. Is there another thing that you want to have an impact in beyond what you're doing right now? Yeah, you know what, I think uh, I just want to continue with my community work and, and whether that is, uh, you know, I obviously have the thought of me maybe starting my own nonprofit charity. Um, don't know what that would be yet, but I think just maybe having my name on something and, and uh, just because I'm extremely passionate about it, right? And um, so, yeah, whether that is, uh, I don't know, maybe whether that's dogs or I know I do lots of stuff with uh, an organization called Bear Clan Patrol and I'm on their patrol team. So what we do is go across, um, um, walk around Winnipeg, around the rough parts of the city, um, just being a positive influence in the city. When people see us, uh, they feel at more ease and they feel safe. Um, we go around and pick up needles. Um, our uh, drug usage right now is extremely bad in the city especially meth. Um, so there's tons of needles. We, on a, on a walk in the evening, we usually pick up around between 200 and 400 needles on just three hours of walking. Um, so mainly just getting these off the street and just our thought is to, okay, if we can get less needles off and that are visible, it might make someone that is a user not seeing those needles and not make them think about it, right? Just a little thing like that. But then also for kids that are playing around in these communities, it's extremely dangerous for an open needle and a used needle. And you never know if a kid will pick it up and, or a kid will step on it. So by us getting it off uh, the streets is uh, why we do it. And then also, uh, yeah, I load my backpack up with sandwiches, with apples, with oranges, with, we fill our water, our backpacks up with water bottles, um, just things like that. And uh, we just give them to the people that need it most. And um yeah, I, I love it. I'll, I'll go to the store and buy a bunch of uh, bags of bread and cheese and ham and just make, have my whole counter filled with just, just I have like a little station. I just have a little like uh, thing that I do and it's, uh, I get it done. I make a bunch of sandwiches and then it's a great feeling me being able to go out into the community that I live in and me being able to see what goes on in this, in the city that I grew up in. And it's super mind, uh, mind blowing and eye opening. And then me being able to hand out, you know, food to the ones that need it most. And, uh, and just when, when, when I come home from those walks and I lay down in bed, um, just knowing that, you know, there's more stomachs that will be filled after me handing out those, uh, those sandwiches, which is a, that is an amazing feeling, dude. Like if you didn't eat or if I didn't eat and you went to bed hungry, like that's an off, that'd be an awful feeling. So just knowing that I was able to satisfy someone's needs just for the night at least is something that's a great feeling. Just a tremendous amount of uh, good you're doing there in the uh, community, Brady. So really, really good stuff. Um, we, we close at every one of these interviews with our three what's good questions. And I'll start first with what's, and we hit on it a bit, but what's something that you're doing just for you? Yeah. So what I'm doing just for me, obviously lots of um, exercise and still working out, which is obviously great for me, but I think, like I just touched on, um, just taking my dogs out like every day, doing something with them, um, whether that is going to the dog park or, or driving and just finding a place and letting them run. Um, I think just by doing that right there is something that I'm doing for myself. 
obviously they're having a great time and they're like, Oh my God, like you're doing it for me. Thank you so much. But what they don't know is that, um, like I said, dogs are extremely therapeutic and they just like boost my mood. Like I'm always in a good mood and I always do preach positivity and you should always have great energy and, and a good energy. If you go into a room with good energy, it'll make you feel better. So you might be able to latch it onto someone else in good energy. So I'm all about that. But my dogs just, yeah, boost my energy even more. And uh, by me just taking them out, um, yeah, it's a great feeling. It makes uh, my day that much better. So that's kind of what I'm doing for myself, just adventuring with my dog. And I'll continue to do that, yeah, every day until, yeah, they're gone, I guess. <laughs> and then what's something that you've done for someone else recently? Uh, something that I've done for something someone else recently, um, I just always think about um just like the rescue stuff um and so I, I was just on a rescue run about a week ago i went to sandy bay first nations and um i got actually a food donation from people in the city here and i had my i had a box camper that i bought and i just did a, a trip out west to the mountains in uh, in british columbia and i brought the dogs um so i had that box camper on still which is really good it actually added on for a lot longer than expected when i got back to winnipeg and um I ended up meeting up with uh, my buddy, Ethan, that got all these uh, food donations, this dog food and cat food. So I load them up in my box camper. And the next rescue run I went on was to Sandy Bay, First Nation. And I went to the police station down there. And uh, they were just extremely grateful that I, I went down there and I brought them all this food. Uh, there was tons of dog food, bags and bags of dog food, bags and bags of cat food. And I was able to drop it off at the police station there. And then from there, they can go around the community and, and give it to people that, you know, that can't afford or that have dogs and want to be great owners to their dogs or to their cats, whatever it is. They might not have the, the means to go out and buy, you know, extra dog food or cat food, whatever it is. So they'll go around the community and, and hand out those, uh, those items and also just walk around and just dump food here and there for the stray dogs that are wandering around. So um, that right there, I think, you know, it meant a lot to the, the police officers there, but also will mean a lot to the community members as well. And then lastly, what's, what's something you turn to that makes you laugh, kind of an escape? I think, uh, you know, just hanging out with my girlfriend, I think. Um, like last night, we were just uh, laying in bed and we were just, yeah, just like saying goofy things and just like laughing and just, it's just, yeah, just, just being able to, you know, lay down and just relax and and the dogs are jumping all over us in the bed and and uh they're doing funny things and i think uh just by just like unwinding and relaxing with the people that mean most to you um so my girlfriend and then obviously the dogs that right there is my life and um yeah just by doing that and here's nelly right Perfect here timing. <laughs> you know and uh yeah she just burped actually geez nelly so yeah, little things like that that just make you smile, right? And uh, so yeah, you know. So yeah, that's, that's it. great. Yeah, Brady, uh, so so good to talk with you. So many great things you're working on, and of course, looking forward to seeing you back uh, on the field come come next season. Uh, best of luck with everything. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today.